Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. You guys, to be so pumped because we've got uh, a great new series starting next week called Oil Change. It's going to be a series on the moving of God in your life the Holy Spirit of God in your life, and you're not going to want to miss it. But today, I've got a word that I need to get into your heart that I know is going to encourage you. And Luke chapter 15, we've been in the story. You may know the story as the the story of the prodigal son or the story of the lost son. We've spent now three Sundays in this. This will be the final week. And I want to look at Luke chapter 15, specifically verses 20 through 26. So why don't you turn there, turn your Bibles on. Come on, click there with me, flip there. Why don't you shout yes when you find it? All right, I can feel faith from the online campus this morning, so I I know they're with me. All right, Luke chapter 15. Let's read together. We'll put these on the screens for you as well. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 20, the Bible says, So he, again, this is Jesus telling the story, a son had run away, and the son is coming home. It says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against both heaven and you. I want you to catch that. I have sinned against both heaven and my family. This was his confession. This is where he was. He had failed. And he said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This was his heart. But listen to the father's heart in verse 22. His father doesn't even respond to this stuff coming out of his son's mouth. He says to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and get sandals for his feet. If you missed last Sunday, you need to catch that online. Get sandals for his feet and kill the fatted calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what? was going on what is going on would you pray with me and let's ask the lord to speak to our hearts today as we dive into the word of god father we love you so much thank you for your word we pray now god that your word would go strong into our hearts i pray every heart would be open to receive what you're saying every ears would every set of ears in this house would be open spiritually to hear what you want to speak to their hearts may we all receive from the word of god today be built up and leave bigger better and more like Jesus than we were when we came. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to give you just a few things that you can write down if you are taking notes today, and I would really encourage you to do that. But the first thought I want to give you from this text that I think is so important for us to catch before we move away from this story is this. Number one, you don't just have a homecoming to a father, but to a family. You don't just have a homecoming to a father, but to a family. This is one of the aspects of the local church that is so important for us to get a hold of, especially in the day that we live in. You know, when God designed the church, 
He designed the church to be so much more than a club you participate in when you come back to the Father. It is possible to have a relationship with God and not have a connection to the church. It's possible. But I would be so bold as to say it is not God's ideal plan for your life. I think there are many believers who have had a homecoming to the heart of their father. They have a genuine relationship with God, but they have yet to really embrace the family of God as part of what God wants to give to you in this season. The church is the family of God. How many know that families can be unique? Come on, somebody. Anybody ever go to a family reunion and you're like, what in the world? You know, you know what I love about Sundays? They're not the only thing that we do. I think they're the biggest thing that we do, but they're not the only thing that we do. But they're like a big family reunion we have every single week. They are. We can look around. And you know what I love about the family of God? It's made up of every type of person you can think of. Right? Every background, every generation, every nationality, every upbringing, every economic uh, uh, foundation and economic status. We've got people from all over the place with different stories. But we come together as the family of God. You know, it's interesting. Um, A people saved into relationship with God are always brought into the family through the blood of Jesus. If you think about it, we are all blood related. And I'm not talking about if you go back far enough, you know, we all come from. I'm talking about the same blood that Jesus shed on Calvary's hill was shed for you and it was shed for me and it's washed my mess away. It's washed your mess away. It has ushered all of us into the family of God. You can look around. You might not look like your neighbor. You might not talk like your neighbor. You might not even know your neighbor today, but whether you realized it or not, if you're in God's family, we are all part of the same. We're all blood related by the blood of Jesus. It's the same God that brought us all into the family. You know, when I think of family, I really think of three things. I think of people that share a father, people that share a bloodline, and people that share values. If you think about the local church, we all have the same heavenly father. Come on, somebody. We all are saved through the same blood of his son, Jesus. And we share the same values through the word of God. We are probably more family than you thought. People from every nationality, ethnicity, economic status, cultural background, we are made one in the family of God. This is such an important thought that I want you to get. With God, we get more than a father. We get a family. We get a family. We are a part of the family of God. We are a part of the church. When God thrusts us into the kingdom, it always includes a connection to his family. You know, I believe that we miss something that God wants to do in our lives when we only get a father out of the deal. We're supposed to get a family. And I hear people all the time, they're like, listen, listen, listen. I walk with God. I know God. I don't need to be a part of the church. I don't need to be a part of the family of God. Some people are like, I tried that. The place was weird. I didn't like those people. I'm just going to worship Jesus, me and Jesus. You know, what's funny is I can actually go back all the way to the book of Genesis in the very beginning. And there was a time where there was just one dude. His name was Adam. 
And he walked around in this perfect place that God had created. Had perfect relationship with God. There was no sin. There was no trouble. There was nothing bad at all. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. He had perfect relationship with God. The Lord literally came down and walked with him face to face and met with him. Perfect connection to God. I bet Adam was like, this is amazing. I got it going on. And yet God in the Bible literally took a step back and he said, this is not good. It is not. And this is what the Lord said. It is not good for man to be alone. I must create for him a helper. And so he creates woman. We know this. Come on, somebody. And they begin to have a family. And I'm just telling you that this is a picture, yes, of the natural family, but it has implications in the spiritual realm as well. You are not born again into the family of God to be alone. It is not good for just you and God to hang out and to have no connection to God's family. You should never be a follower of Jesus and be lonely. You should never be a follower of Jesus and be isolated. You should never be a follower of Jesus and not feel like you have anyone to reach out to or anyone to pray with you or anyone that cares about what you're going through. I think what hurt my heart more about what the last year and a half with COVID and distancing and isolation and all of that stuff was that people felt like they could not connect to other people. And it is not good for man to be alone. We are wired for each other. We need each other. We need strength from one another. It doesn't matter how good your walk with Jesus is. It's not good for you to be alone. Just you and God. You need other people. You need the church. It's in our wiring. What Adam lacked was not animals. Adam had all the animals a guy could ever want. And that's how he spent his day, just naming them. Crocodile, giraffe. Feel like he just got bored after a while. Rhinoceros, you know, like. I joke, but listen, a lot of people substitute genuine. Well, I got a dog. I don't have the church. Just me and Jesus and Fido, you know. It's, <laughs> listen, your dog won't do. Your cat won't cut it. Have a dog. Pray about having a cat. But you got to have the church. We got to have each other. We were made for each other. We were made to be stronger together. We are better together. This is why the scripture encourages us do not stop gathering together as God's people, as some have gotten in the habit of. This is not a correction. Well, maybe it is. If you haven't been to church in a long time, you need each other. But let me just say, we, as some have gotten in the habit of, we need to be together. We need to draw strength from one another. There is a corporate spirit that comes on the church when we gather, whether it's in a small group or a big setting. God meets us in a special way. Isolation is not good. It's a form of torture. It's bad for the soul. It's not good that man or woman would be alone. Listen, and I'm not saying you have to, you necessarily have to be married or have kids. I mean, Jesus was single, the Apostle Paul, single. But here's the beauty of it. 
No matter what status you are today, you have a family. You're not alone. The church is a family for you through every season of your life. God supplied us all with a family in the vehicle of the local church. You know, I remember when Pastor Amanda and I got saved, we came to Christian Faith Center. This is the only church we have ever been a part of. We lead our home church. Isn't that an amazing thing? It is for me anyway. I don't know. Some of y'all probably don't. I don't know. (laughs) But for us, you know, we remember way back in the day, a couple hundred people here. You know, we didn't know anybody. We didn't really feel like the other people that were in the church. But we have come out of a life where when we gave our lives to Jesus, most people no longer wanted to be a part of our lives. And we had to reset. And I remember coming into the church and Pastor Amanda and I, I put a ring on that finger and we got some marriage counseling. Pastor Bueller slapped us around a little bit, you know, (laughs) taught us how to follow Jesus. And, And I remember when we got married, I remember when we got married, we had a handful of family members, maybe two or three friends and at least a hundred people from our church family. And I'm so thankful for our family, you know, that helped us with the wedding and all that stuff. But you know, what I remember was not just our family. I remember our family gathering around us. I remember them loving us and praying for us and buying us stuff and stuffing money in our pockets and and blessing us. And, you know, I never one time, even though I walked away from everything other than my immediate family, left when I became a Christian. And I never lacked a family. I I didn't have a connection with my father. And yet I had spiritual fathers in the household of God. I didn't have... And yet right away I had people that loved us and cheered for us and, and helped us and prayed for us. We never lacked a family because we were connected to the local church. Because we had God's family around us. And I love that about the church. And I bet if you were to talk to anyone who's followed Jesus for any length of time, they could tell you stories about how the local church has been a family for them in difficult times. You know, this is a blessing if you don't have family that follows Jesus. Guess what? You do have family that follows Jesus. The church is here for you. It's here to be a family for you. You don't just get a father, you get a family. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are not a stranger. Listen, if you've given your life to Jesus and you're here today, welcome home. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You're a part of the family of God. And we are so glad that you're here. Welcome to the family. We're not just a big church. We're a big family. Can we just pause? Come on, pause and thank God for the family of God in your life. That you are not alone. You are not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. You are a part of the family of God. Number two, I want you to write this down. It's important that we live with a homecoming heart. Because we do get a father. And we do get a family. But in this passage, there are two hearts that are on display. And I think if we're really going to receive what God has for us, it's important for us 
that we evaluate whether we have a homecoming heart and a homecoming life or not. Because the way we posture our heart positions us to either receive the family of God or be distant from the family of God. There are actually two hearts on display in this passage. The older brother and the servants and the father. You know, Luke chapter 15, listen to verse 25 through 28. He says, Meanwhile, the older son was working in the field. And he returned home. He heard music dancing in the house. Music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants, What is going on? They said, Your brother is back. And your father has killed the fatted calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry. And he would not go in. So his father came out and began begging him to come in. I want to look at these two hearts today in the Bible that are contrasted in the father and in the brother. See, the older brother, um, there's a couple things that I think we could mine out. And I'm sure that we could go deeper and spend a lot of time. But I want to highlight two things specifically that stand out to me. Um, and, and these two hearts. First of all, the older brother, he was too busy to be bothered to celebrate his brother that had come home. He was too busy. He's out in the fields doing his thing. Everybody else has recognized the brother's back and they've had time to kill a calf and celebrate and they're partying and welcoming this brother home that had been gone for a long time and now he's back and the father's celebrating and the brother's so busy that he doesn't have time to celebrate the homecoming of his brother. We also find that he was not only too busy, but he was too bitter at both his brother and his father to really have a healthy relationship or be in a place where he could actually celebrate the homecoming of his family member. You know, the household servants, it's so funny when you look at the servants and the father, it says, when when he says, what's going on here? Listen to the verbiage. The servant personally owns their celebration. He doesn't say, well, your dad's partying, man. Your dad's really excited. And, you know, we just had to come because he was there. And No, they come out and they're like, hey, We are celebrating. It was a collective family event. The father, the servants, the younger son had come home. We are celebrating the return of our brother. Yeah, he was lost. Yes, he was in a bad place. Yes, he was caught up in sin and was squandering his life and came back to us beat up and far from the heart of God. But he's back now and the Father has restored him and he's given him a ring and a robe and sandals for his feet. And we are using the resources of the house to celebrate the return of the son who was lost, but now he's found. Isn't that an amazing thing? And yet the brother goes, meh. No one ever did anything for me. He was gone living like a fool. Judgmental, bitter, and nasty to his brother that had come home. My prayer for Christian Faith Center is that we would keep the heart that we have in this house. I love the heart of this house that we celebrate when people come home to the Father. This is a judgment-free house. This is an arms-open-wide house. This is a loving people-to-life house that no matter where you've come from, where you've been, what you've done, how long you've been doing it, you can come home to the Father and not just the Father, but the family of God. Welcome home. That was the heartbeat 
Oh, that we would have the space in our hearts and in our lives and in our church for people to come home to God. You know, one of the reasons that we are intentional to create opportunities for people to meet other people in the church, we call them small groups. The main reason we do it is not to give you something to do. You've all got plenty to do. It's relationship. It's connection. If you don't know somebody, we want you to know somebody. If you don't have a relationship with someone, we want you to be able to do that. There's no other purpose. If we didn't want you, we wouldn't do any of that. We want you to have a relationship with, we want you to find family in the church. You know, I noticed something profound in life. You've probably never picked this up before, but you don't get to choose your family. You're just like, whoop, born into the thing and you got to make it work. Amen? If God brought you in, you got to make it work. I would challenge you. Thousands of people go to this church. (laughs) There's somebody here you would get along with. (laughs) There's somebody here that wants to spend some time with you. Find that person. Find those people. It doesn't even have to be, I know our groups people won't like this. It doesn't even have to be in one of our sanctioned small groups. That's just the easy road for you. Find people that you like. Find people that like the stuff that you do. Nothing makes me happier than when I walk into Texas Roadhouse and I smell the butter and the rolls. I was going somewhere. Oh yeah, and then I see people from the church hanging out. Well, we met these people at the church. We're just hanging out, eating something that used to move. Rolls with honey butter. Leaning in to the people of the church. You know, our task is to make space for the people God's put in our life. Here's a great truth. You can write it down if you want to. But if you want to have a friend, you have to learn to be a friend. You have to learn to be one. What keeps us back so many times in relationship is really the same things that kept back the, uh, the older brother. You know, I, I have young boys, so you guys will just have to deal with my illustrations, all right? This is just the way my brain thinks. Um, but I think of each one of us as people as a Lego. That's right. One of you are a Lego. But what I, the way I envision our lives is all of us have a finite amount of relational connectivity bandwidth. We, we all have a finite amount. Matter of fact, there's been a lot of sociological studies and they've studied all kinds of different people, groups, tribes, human capacity. And really they say one person can't really know and be fully acquainted with more than 100 people. That's about the human capacity. And you have the capacity to really go deep in relationship with a lot less than that. Jesus really only invested in 12 people in his life. And that was Jesus. Come on, somebody. So we all have a finite amount of connectivity. And in this life, we want to be able to use the connectivity that God's given to us. We want to be able to connect our lives with people. Come on, we want to have strong marriages. We want to raise great children that we actually know and love and are invested in. We want to have, you know, family members in our life that we invest in and we're able to, to, to have healthy families and healthy families are a priority here. Amen. 
My wife and I are going to be teaching a class on Wednesday and investing into marriages. We want marriages to be strong in this church. We want your families to be strong because healthy families produce healthy people. Amen. Healthy families make healthy churches. But we also want you to be able to invest in friends outside of those things. But see, here's what happens. God has given you enough connectivity to not just invest in those areas, but what we oftentimes do is fall into the same trap as the older brother. We'll let busyness take up some of our relational bandwidth. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. Work hard. But the older brother worked so hard, he had no time for his family or his brother. And because of that, he lost some of his relational bandwidth. Many of us are too busy to have friends. We're too busy to invest in our family. We're too busy to have relationships that go deeper than two inches. Come on, somebody. We, we lose some of our capacity as individuals because of busyness. And on top of that, we deal with a lot of things in life. I just want to share something with you. Church isn't perfect. This church is not a perfect church. And if it was, you ruined it when you got here. Come on, somebody. But trust me, it was ruined long before you got here. (laughs) This is the perfect church for imperfect people, I'm telling you. But there's no perfect church. So guess what? You stick around long enough, somebody's going to tick you off. You stick around long enough, I'm probably going to tick you off. Come on. But whether you get better or whether you get bitter is up to you. Offense comes to everybody. Bitterness comes to those who allow it. And if you're too busy and you get too bitter, you'll find yourself no way to really connect with the people you need to. And you'll find yourself isolated. And you'll find yourself unable to have the capacity to have healthy family, healthy friends, healthy connection, investing in your marriage and the relationships that are most important or your most your, your closest relationships if you're not married, whatever that looks like. Listen, busyness and bitterness is a trap that will shrink the relational connectivity that God has given to you. I want you to see this. See, busyness will keep you full and far from family. Nothing limits your capacity like busyness. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field. No time to be home. Bitterness will keep you broken and walled off from the family of God. I think bitterness will limit you big time. Bitterness will limit your life. Bitterness, if, if it goes unchecked, it, it'll, it'll crush you. It'll completely wall off your life. You know, there's ways that you can grab a hold of these areas, though, and allow God to heal you. I got good news for you today. Matter of fact, if you find yourself too busy to have any relationships, can I just encourage you? Here's a simple thing. This is for free. You ready? Get a hold of your calendar and prioritize your time with the Father and the time with people in God's family. Do not allow yourself to become isolated and lonely. Get a hold of your calendar. You're in control of your life. Your kids aren't in control of your life. School's not in control of your life. You're in control of your life. We can choose 
to invest our lives in things that will lead to health and happiness and a vibrant spiritual walk. You can peel back some of those things and create space to invest in the people that are most important in your life. Date your spouse every week. Spend time with your children if you have them. Invest in people that love Jesus and want to spend time with you and prioritize those things. And listen, if you're bitter from a relationship, can I just give you an encouragement? It's time to heal. The Holy Spirit is your healer. He wants to bring healing to your life. Maybe you were hurt by a past relationship and now you don't want to open up your life. You've just turned it all around. Nope, I've done that before and I'm not opening up my life to anybody ever again. I had friends before, they stabbed me in the back. No, 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 no. I hung out with people. We invited a couple from the church out one time and we had lunch with them one time and we bought and then they never invited us back. Well, guess what? Try again. There's probably a less stingy couple in the church you can invite next time. Come on. I'm just telling you, it's time to try again. It's time to not let the past and hurt from the past limit who God wants you to be today. There are great people around you in your everyday life. It is time to let the Holy Spirit heal your life so that you can be who God's called you to be. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Our God heals. Don't allow hurt to wall off your life until you cannot Open yourself up to other people. We want to encourage you. Be in a small group. Invite a couple from the church out to dinner. Find people that love Jesus and want to spend time with you and invest in those things. It is so good for every one of us. My favorite thing about when I read through the Gospels is how much Jesus invested in people relationally. So much of the Gospels is Jesus just being with the people he loved. And then there were moments where the big ministry moments happen. Can I just say to you, if you want to have the big ministry moments in life, it's birthed out of the deep relational rhythms of life. We live our lives with God and people. And you watch how God will use that in extraordinary ways. Here's my final thought, and I'm going to get you guys out of here. You ready? Everybody needs a homecoming. Everybody. You know, both sons, if you really look at this story, both sons... We're in the pig pen. The younger son had lived far from home, separated from the father and the family. The older son lived in the home, but was separated from the father and the family. You know that we all need a homecoming. We all need to come home to the heart of our heavenly father. We all need to come home to the family of God and find a place to belong. My prayers will always be a church family that celebrates those that are coming home. My prayer is that those that are coming home to the house of God will always be met with the warmest welcome. And my prayer is those that are far from and in the house of God would celebrate the homecoming of others. You know, one of the most butchered scriptures in all of the Bible is Luke chapter 15 verse 10. It's, it's in, it's in a, a trilogy of stories Jesus is telling about things that are lost. It happens just before, actually, the story of the prodigal son. And he's talking about this woman that lost a coin, and then she recovered it. And, and in Luke chapter 15, Jesus makes it plain that he's not talking about coins. He was talking about people. And I want you to see this in Luke chapter 15. This is what Jesus said. He said, in the same way, there is joy in the presence, listen, 
There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. When one person comes home to the house of God, there's joy in the presence of angels. Now, here's what I hear preached all the time. The angels of heaven rejoice when even one sinner repents. Like the angels are up here pulling their hands out of their heavenly robes. Well, if you read your Bible, angels are pretty creepy. They're pulling like all six arms, you know, out of their... I kid, that's a sermon for another day. But we've heard it said, like angels are just like fantastic. That's not what the Bible says. If you study it deeply, even the Greek plays out that there is joy in the presence of the angels when even one sinner repents. And it got me thinking this week, well, where are the angels? If there's joy in their presence, where are they that has so much joy when people have a homecoming back to God? And I thought, well, the Bible is very clear where the angels are. They're in the throne room with the Father and the Son, and they're on earth with the family of God. And then I thought, my God, what a revelation. It's not the angels up here clapping their hands when somebody has a homecoming. It is the Father and the Son having a homecoming heart. It is the family of God celebrating. You know, we baptized 40 plus people in water at our revival night. I want to show you this video. And I just want you to see something because we've had a bunch of people that have had a homecoming back to the heart of God. And more than to the heart of God, we, they've had a homecoming to the family of God. And I just want you to see something that as these people are going in the water, as they're coming to the heart of God, as they're being baptized into the family of God, I need you to see something that the father and the son are watching from heaven and they're celebrating when these guys are going in the sun is standing up and there is joy in the presence of the angels and i would submit to you that as these people are going into the water the angels of god it's not just the family that are surrounding these people it's angels watching them be baptized and it is the father and the family that are exuding so much joy. There is joy in the presence of the angels that are in heaven. There is joy in the presence of the angels that are in earth as the people of God are coming home. Oh, can we just take a moment and give God some praise, exude some joy. I want the angels to see our joy that people are coming home. To the heart of God. Everybody needs a homecoming. Everybody needs an opportunity to come home. And I don't know about you, but I want to keep the angels witnessing joy. I want, I want to keep Jesus exuding joy in heaven. I want to keep the angels going, what is it about these people? They're so excited that people are coming home. Because everybody needs a chance to come home. Amen. And listen, I, I know that this is the last Sunday of homecoming, but we'll be at church every Sunday. People are going to have an opportunity to come home Amen. to the heart of the Father and to the family of God.